0: Oh, hi everyone, uh, w- wonderful that so many came here to our short little tutorial. We already had several talks on our framework during the conference, which I heavily invite you to check out as well, but this time we have much more time available to introduce you to the framework and all its intricacies. We are working on this for quite a while now. Uh, research had started nearly uh, two years ago. And therefore the framework has been in development for quite a while and we have many people working on it. In um, Explicitly named here should be uh, Diego Perez-Lebana who is also part of this talk as well as Jorge Hortado But we don't want to forget about Dominic Urisen and Lin Chi Su, who heavily developed this framework as well. And for this tutorial session, we will keep ourselves to three main points. First of all, we want to give you um, the motivation for developing our framework and the whole structure of it. Then Diego will present you an introduction to how to write agents for the framework. And last but not least, Horge will show you how the framework executes and how you can run your own agents. And my part will be to first show you about what the whole strategia framework is about. In terms of strategy game AI, we have seen that there are very special challenges to it. We have games with a high branching factor and a large search depth. And also those result in an exponentially increasing action space, especially if we control multiple units at the same time. Similarly, we have many interleaved mechanics like army control. We have economy that we need to take care of. We can have politics in between different player factions and often the factions themselves develop to to do research. And last but not least, especially real-time strategy games have very short response times and therefore our agents need to be quite fast. Ne- nevertheless, we have seen that in uh, strategy games such as StarCraft, uh, Alpha Star has performed quite well. And also in very open challenges like general game playing, we have seen many agents with, which are capable of playing d- different games. So a new challenge we came um, to work on is general strategy game playing. And this is what all the framework will be about. We want to develop a single agent, which is capable of playing multiple strategy games one after another, but without any change in configuration. And therefore we have developed the the Stratega framework. It's a single framework for turn-based and real-time strategy games. And to develop these different strategy games, we have come up with the configuration do, through JAML files, which allow us to create different units, buildings, different game mechanics, all what you will hear about in this talk. And last but not least, while developing the framework, we took care that it is ready for statistical forward planning agents. Therefore, every game that you configure during the, to, to the JAML files, will provide you the forward model, which is optimized for high execution speed. And the whole framework allows you a rich set of debugging options to keep track of what your agent is doing at the moment. And therefore, it's for us, it's a perfect match for doing research on these topics. And to provide you all the tools that you need, we have the uh, GitHub of the uh, framework itself, where you can download the framework. We have a detailed documentation, which you can access. And we have our own Discord community. All of these links will also be provided in the Discord of our tutorial session today. So even if you miss any of these links now, just come back to them and check them out later. Also, the Discord community is for general help and discussions on the whole framework. So if you have any trouble with using it, with downloading it, with setting it up, just come back to us and we can help you with this one. So we go next, a very short introduction to the installation process, just to show you how easy it is to set it up and to run your own experiments. First of all, you need an IDE for C++ development because the framework is written in C++. Then you can download the framework just from GitHub. We have an updated master branch and some other development branches which shouldn't be too important for you since the master branch should be the stable version. Then you can just open the project and build it. And we have several modes that you can run such as the UI mode or the arena mode which is for different experiments that you can set up. We also have Python bindings available but they require you to build the project or to download the um, pip installs shown later in this talk. You can find all these descriptions in the docs as well. This is just to you uh, as a short overview to tease you into downloading and installing it. For the talk itself, it will not be necessary to have an active install. While it can help to check some things out in the meantime, uh, all of the things that will be relevant will be shown on the slides. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy. In terms of documentation, I just want to tell you that the whole framework structure is explained there. We also have several implementation tutorials for agents in C++ and Python, and some descriptions on the pre-implemented game modes of this framework, while you will be able to develop your own as well. Additionally, we have API references and the uh, uh, obligatory FAQ. So let's deep dive into Stratega. So, Tiga itself looks like your typical turn based strategy game in isometric view. We have different players that fight against each other. Those can control buildings in which they can do research, they can build new units, they can uh, get our resources, whatever you like. We have different Tyran types, which can be traversed. And last but not least, we have the unit types that each of the agents are controlling. In terms of turn-based or real-time strategy games, those units behave a bit differently in the way they are controlled because they apply actions either in a turn-based or in a tick-based manner. Since I saw that there's some message in the chat, (laughs) I will try to keep track of it. But, uh, okay, it's just a message by Diego who informs you. Okay, Um, just keep keep us posted in the chat. We have multiple people who can respond to you, so, Uh, If you have a, a question, please just put it in there. Okay, so in terms of the framework, we have all these different components that can be controlled. And now it's the question how they are controlled. And in the framework itself, it is built with four parts. We have the game runner, which is consisting of the forward model and the game state that is updated due to the forward model. We have the agents themselves that receive those updates and need to respond with different actions that they want to perform. We have the separated game renderer, with, which is an optional part for performance reasons. And we have the game configuration. And the configuration itself can be used to configure how the agents are set up and how the game should run. So. With changes in the game configuration, you can, for example, switch which agents you want to execute. Or you can choose if the game is running on turn-based or on real-time mode. And with these components, the, the heart of it is the game state. Because it encodes our current state of the game, and it consists of several components that we've seen in the previous slides. We have the board itself on which the game is played. We have different entities that are moved along the board. We have players which can be separated into, which can form factions and they have entities that they control. And we have technologies which represent permanent upgrades or just like a research tree that you can unlock. And in addition to this game state object, we have a part that is the game info. And this tells you about all the static components which means you get access to the general configuration file that has been used to set up the game mode. We have different tile types that are defined. We have the different entity types, but those are just the formal definitions. The exact implementations are hidden from you and you can just see the entities and their parameters. And given the accessor functions, you can control all of these elements. Then in the game itself, we always have the differences between the turn-based and the real-time mode. For the agents, those differences are completely hidden. So they just receive a set of actions that they can execute. And the agents themselves don't really need to know which game mode they are playing, but they can access it. So they, they can know that they are currently in a turn-based manner. And the players play in a predefined order in the turn-based mode that cannot be changed. So the first player, then the second player, then the third player and so on. And if all of the players have done their moves, the turn order repeats. In real-time game, all of the players uh, move at the same time. So they register their actions, then those actions are executed and those executions will be done at most simultaneously. There can be some problems with um, moves that cancel each other. So those will be uh, uh, removed as much as possible. And uh, if it is impossible to execute multiple actions with the same entity at the same time. In turn-based mode, you can register multiple actions for the same unit one after another. And it is the same with the real-time modes, just that some time passed in between. So the things we control are based on, or are positioned on the tiles. And the tiles themselves, you see them on the right, are configured as journal snippets. So the mountain tile that is the image on the top right is just described right below it. We have a sprite for the visual representation, we have a symbol for being used in the map representation, and we have some different properties that are necessary like if the the tile can be passed by a unit and if you can look through the tile. Each of these tiles requires this information and if it is once given, we can define a board. The board definition itself is shown on the bottom right which is a tile set in which each of the positions marks one tile that will be drawn and will be part of our map. And we also can place units of different sections which are the lowercase letters such as the A1 would be an archer for the first player. And those maps can be loaded as a huge map file or as part of our uh, game mode definition. So if you run experiments, you can also run several maps at the same time and then just swap in, the, in between them. In, so these are the tiles. Now next are the entities that move along these tiles. Here on the right, we have different unit representations and at the bottom is once again, the Jamal definition. We require similar to a tile, uh, we require the visual representation and the symbol that goes on the map. And for uh, vision limitations, like if you want to implement a fog of war, we need a light of sight range and we have a set of parameters. Now, especially the set of parameters can be completely flexible some of the actions will access these parameters and they are accessed by their name. So if you want to extend the logic of the game, you can just implement a new action and add the para- respective parameters to this list and then they can be modified by the actions. The action set of the unit itself is listed at the bottom and those will be the accessors that will be used to generate the action space of the unit. So in this case, the archer is able to move. It has a moving distance given by the movement points. And it has an attack. And the attack itself will access attack range and attack damage. And this defines the moveset of the unit. For the actions themselves, we have separated the, the definition of the action and the action space generation. So the definition of the actions themselves is the input for the action space. And given the current game state, we can control if all the preconditions are fulfilled and then the actions will be generated. So a single action definition like attack can yield multiple generated actions like attacking different units that are in range. And for each unit that is in range, we will have one separated action in our final action space. The actions themselves are once again defined as such jumble functions, in which we have different conditions and effectors implemented. And in the bottom, you see that this attack action is of type entity action. So it requires an entity on which it is applied. It has a certain cooldown limitation. We can select valid targets that can be attacked. For example, if you don't want to attack naval or air units, you can do it like that. And you have different effects that will be applied when the action is executed. And several of these basic effects and conditions are already pre-implemented. And since the whole framework is open source, you could also add your own to it relatively easily. Then for the actions, if they are once defined, we always implement also a forward model. The forward model gives us the uh, overall logic of the game, so if how you can win or how you can lose the game. And it can also give you uh, different triggers that uh, execute after certain events. One condition, for example, might be at the end of a player's turn, we always want to check for certain conditions, or we want to spawn new units that need to be killed by the players. And here for this example, we have that a player loses if the game has no entity of the site type city anymore, and in every tick we check if there is um, still a valid city and we want to add one gold to it, so we modify the resources of the player, if it still has a city. And this makes it relatively flexible to implement your own game modes. And we have already implemented several of them. For example, a chess-like game mode like Kill the King or uh, one in which the units health decays over time and we need to keep them healed up uh, in every turn to win the game and so on. So the the framework itself is then mostly defined with all these components. You have the different tiles, you have entities. Similarly to entities, you can define your own buildings and uh, you can define a whole research tree. And while executing each turn, the agent is asked about its next actions. It therefore it is given a copy of the current game state and the forward model. And also a limited budget of simulations or computation time. If the uh, agent responses in time, then the action is executed. If not, it, it is either decided if the game is lost, or if there's some additional time spent just to make sure that it is not only the fault of the agent, if you like. So. The forward model itself can be used to run several simulations to allow for tree search methods or other simulation based search methods. And in case the fog of war is applied, the agent doesn't receive any information that is out of its site. So we first apply the fog of war to the game state. Then the game state is received by the agent and it can only perceive what is inside of range. And other com- components can be a set or modified on the game state object such that you can track, for example, cities that came out of range, you can remember them that they were there, or you can, um, you can estimate the opponent's unit position and just run simulations on this estimated game state. Then we have two main game modes in which we run the whole framework. One is the UI mode, which is shown here on the right. It provides you several information for debug uh, purposes. So we have a list of entities. We have the uh, mouse cursor positions. We have the different actions that you could execute. And here we see how a human player is controlling the game. So we can click and select units. We see different information for them. And then we can apply their actions and uh, choose from their action space accordingly. We can also set the framework up on the right to have different viewports. So here in the moment, we see the view of player one. We could also say that we only see the information that player two is um, currently seeing to uh, uh, debug, for example, the decisions of our agent. And last but not least, we have the arena mode, which automatically runs you around Robin tournaments among all the agents that are defined in the game and in the jumble file. And you can run this via console for uh, speed purposes and then test all the permutations of an agent and you receive a log file. All the agents also have uh, the ability to modify this log file so they can log additional information like the size of the action spaces or the uh, rating of each turn that they commuted. And after the games have been run, you can just read uh, and um, Yeah, you you can just read the log file to see the overall statistics of the game. So this marks, um, this is one example of such log file. For example, here we configure the jungle to uh, include two players and two different maps. And then for each of the maps, we will run two games. One game in which the OSLA agent is on the first position and the random agent is on the second and then we swap positions. And in the on the left side, we see such an excerpt of the uh, uh, log file in which we have the active players and the action counts locked, the different player assignments for the current game and the final winner and how many turns it costs. So this makes a pretty flexible framework. And therefore I will switch over to Diego who is showing you how to write your own agents in this one. So. Okay. I'll try to share now. Okay, is everything visible? I will
1: assume, yeah, okay, perfect. Uh, okay, well, um, the next part is a bit more about code. We're going to be looking at some code. Um, in in another type of tutorial, we probably would have uh, asked you to bring your laptops, uh, try downloading the framework, uh, see if you wanted to implement a few agents, and modify some, and see how to run the uh, the framework and play with the with the agents themselves. But in this case, uh, what we're going to do is just show you the code, uh, and then you can also ask us questions either here in in the chat or uh, in Discord. So what is the basic thing that you need to do to um, implement an agent, right? Uh, so the idea could be essentially uh, that you need to write a class uh, that is going to extend from um, this agent class, which is apart from the framework, and you have to implement uh, one method called, called compute action. That is essentially the bare minimum that you need to have uh, an agent in this framework, right? Uh, and this is independent of the type of game that you're playing. We, we, we As I said, or well, as, uh, as Alex said, we, we've been Uh, developing real-time games and turn-based games, so we can actually have the same agent playing both games. And that's also independent from the language. You can do it in C++ or you can do it in Python. So for instance, this is an example of the very minimum Header file of a C++ class that would say uh, is in, inheriting from an agent uh, class uh, and is then using uh, is going to be using this function called compute action that receives these parameters that we'll see I little bit But this is basically kind of the header the definition of the, one of the agents that uh, you may have in your uh, for your AI agent. Um, Now this this compute action, uh, what is that? Uh, That's essentially what it does is is, is called periodically every frame or every turn to ask the agent for an action to execute, right? So you execute an action by just returning something that is called an an action assignment out of of this method, right? So an example, for instance, a very simple, probably the simplest example that you can imagine of an agent is that one that does nothing. So essentially just gonna stand still without doing anything at all. Not the most exciting type of research, but that's feasible within the framework. Uh, so how you do that? Well, essentially, just implement this method by returning one new action assignment. And that would be all for C++. And for Python, it's a very similar uh, nomenclature. Is basically saying return. So take a dot action assignment. And that essentially is telling the engine every time it asks this uh, this uh, agent, which is the next action that you want to execute now. Um, just do nothing, right? So this is going to be called every frame uh, in real-time games, and every turn uh, until you determine that the turn is over. Uh, every tick uh, for every uh, in turn-based, uh, turn-based strategy games. Let's do a little bit more complicated. So this is an example of an agent that's gonna be returning an action at random, right? Again, this is kind of the skeleton. We're just including random here. Again, this is in C++. One thing that we need to do to be able to return an at random is to be able to return an action that is actually valid. So for in order to do that, what we have is this, uh, this function called generate actions for the forward model that returns, given this state and the player that you are, and this is a function that you inherit from agent, uh, gives you the list of all the actions that are available for this player in this particular state. Now, we need to take one at, at random, and this is essentially a fancy way of asking for give me an action at random, right? Yes, take one uh, element of this list at random, and that action is going to be returned. Now, what this means here is that you are going to be returning this action um, as an action assignment. So basically, you just uh, have to do this transformation from an action to an action assignment. And this is what uh, this action assignment is taken by the engine and is uh, executing whatever that action is uh, in the game. In Python, you're going to take a look at that as well. You could essentially see a very analogous um, piece of code. Essentially, you get all the actions, uh, you select one at random, and then you return that as an action assignment. Okay, and remember that this is valid for both type of games. This is valid for turn-based or for real-time games. So the is uh, internally managing that so the agent doesn't uh, perceive if you're playing a real-time game or a strategy game, although, uh, sorry, or a turn-based game, although you can actually ask what type of game that you're playing. Now, let's move a little bit to, com- to create a little bit more of a complex agent. In this case, uh, is using uh, the forward model uh, in a more interesting manner, right? Uh, this agent that uh, was mentioned before is Oslai's one step look ahead. And essentially it's a very simple ag- uh, agent that what it does is takes the current game state, uh, sees all the different actions that are available in this state. Could be this list of uh, potential actions. Obviously in a strategy game, this is gonna be massive. Um, and then it sees which is the next state that is gonna be uh, reached after executing this action and then gives some numerical evaluation to all these states, right? Uh, takes the one with the highest and returns the action to the game that leads to the highest uh, next state. Uh, my interesting thing for this one is essentially the process where you have a game state and then you have to advance it with one given action and move forward. Right. I'm gonna see how to do that in StrateGa. Right, so the implementation of uh, Oslang, so I'm here both C++ and Python at the same time, What essentially you do is you start generating all the actions. That you have in the from the from the forward model, and then uh, what you do is you're going to iterate through all these actions and do something. Okay. Now, the the algorithm says that the, the next thing that you have to do in this um, enumeration uh, of actions is essentially go f- to, through one of these actions and advance the state. However, you need because we don't have a way of going back from the previous from one state to the next one or sort of an undo action we have to create a copy at each iteration of this loop right so you create a copy of the current state then you move it forward and then you go back to again having the initial state or a copy of that state to do another uh, move forward from the original state so essentially for doing that, you just have to create a copy. And how do you copy states in this, uh, in this uh, example? Well, you essentially just create the copy constructor for C, or you just create a deep copy from the copy library. Okay. And that gives you a copy, a complete copy of the game state. It takes everything in the state and creates a complete uh, separate copy uh, that you can manipulate. And now we can actually advance the state forward. And the way we do it is just we call forward model.advanced game state. Uh, this is the function that takes one uh, state, which is going to be the copy, and then you apply one of the actions. In this case, because we're in a loop, you're going to be applying the action that moves uh, that, that uh, corresponds to the iteration of the loop. So essentially it takes this state, uh, takes this action and applies this action in this state to modify this game state uh, with that action being applied. Right. Now the next step would be to actually Evaluate, look at that new state and evaluate how it is. So you might imagine that you have a function here called evaluate state that's going to take that GS copy, that copy of the game state. And given that you want to indicate which is the player that is playing or which is the plane that this uh, agent is representing in the game, it's going to return a given value for that state, a value that's maybe gonna be zero if it's very bad state or one if it's a very good state, right? The rest of this code that shows up here in bold is basically a manner of keeping the highest value, right? It just keeps a, an index and a value, and then it just uh, checks uh, that the value uh, that you have is uh, is greater than the best so far. Right? In that case, uh, it updates which is the best uh, index uh, and value obtained before. And then at the end of the method, what essentially you do is uh, just return uh, one of these states to the uh, to the game. Essentially the best, the one that is uh, signaled by the best action index. Uh, same idea in Python again, just showing here for completion that you can also do essentially the same thing in Python as well. And it's a very similar piece of code. Um, okay, so we have left this evaluated state here uh, a little bit like a magic function. So we're gonna start looking a little bit more into, into the states themselves, right? So You have uh, an example here again, this is in C++ uh, of a function that could be the one that we were uh, calling before. Uh, So you see an example in which you receive a state, then you go around uh, asking for the opponent entities, the player entities, you check if the game is over, you check who's the winner. And then at some point, uh, you do some calculations using these variables that you have uh, obtained from here, from the state. And then it doesn't matter much what the calculations are, but you return that calculation and that's gonna be the value of the state right? So the important thing here is not that much the calculation, but the fact that when you have this state, you need to have some sort of access to that state, you need to know what can you access from the state to understand how good this game state is. So we're going to be looking at how to access the state, what sort of information can you obtain from that. So from the state, uh, it's, it's fair to divide the, the information that you can obtain uh, between two categories, so the static game information and dynamic game information. So the static game information refers to the game itself as a whole, like the definition of the game itself, like what type of entities do I have? What categories we we'll see what's that, what type of actions and what type of conditions uh, do these actions have? while the dynamic game state refers to the actual game state so things that normally move around things that change uh, what are my entities where they are what are the value of the parameters of the player technologies that have been researched and so on so we're going to be looking at these two uh, in order and then we'll see a little bit more about actions and targets because are sort of uh, something in between so starting from the static information one thing that you can obtain is very simply the actual jaml file as as it it was said before the games are defining JAML, so you can just get the JAML file and then parse it however you want. This is uh, if you've been familiarized with some work we've done in the past in GVGI, which is also part of the motivation of this work. Uh, this is very very different in that regard. Uh, you know about that GVGI was a Tudor arcade game uh, multi-game framework, um, and that particular framework would not give you access to the VGDL, to the definition, the game definition that you've been playing. In this case, we don't want to get there. We want to actually provide the information so you can actually know what are you playing. Um, Now, more into the game itself, what do you have? You have types. Uh, There are types for entities, for tiles, for actions. So all of those can be obtained, uh, just uh, creating the game state information and then uh, For instance, in this piece of code, again, both in C++ and Python, you can just iterate through all these things and and just print them. And then again, like we have implemented, like Kill the King would provide something like this. Like you have entities, different type of entities, uh, tiles and actions. And then you can, in this case, show the name, you could also get other properties of the tile. Like for instance, uh, tiles could tell you if you can actually go through those tiles of the actually blocking the vision. Categories are collections. Uh, of particularly entities and actions. Uh, so this is a resource that we use in YAML to facilitate the way that we uh, apply actions, uh, but it's also exposed to the um, to the players of to the agents. So for instance, you could uh, gather all the units, which is the category unit that indicates all the different uh, type of units that exist in the game, right? So you could just get, the, get your units, get uh, know which type of uh, categories you have, and one of them could be unit. Uh, this is a real example from the game Basic TVS, also in Estratega. So for instance, this code shows how can you go through the, all the action categories, and then you could get, uh, this is basically printing out information about it, just providing the output, like for instance saying here, you have different action categories. Uh, these ones are different actions, individual actions, like for instance, spawning. Uh, there is one action called spawn, which spawns units, but there's another action that is uh, from the category spawn that creates build, constructs buildings in the game. And what you see here in parentheses is the ID. So you can actually keep that ID. And if you want to automatically query the action category move or the action move, then what you can do is just go for the action uh, with ID three and retrieve it. Very similar example, this is for entities. In this case it's written in Python, but again, you can see the same thing that you can have, for instance, it's an entity category called building in Basic TBS, which contains all these different buildings that exist uh, in the JAML file for this game. Uh, An important thing in anything that has to do with uh, playing study games is the actions. So you can actually query the actions. And this is an example of how an action could look like in YAML. So you have a few uh, uh, parameters here, uh, and how the the action itself is being uh, applied and what type of conditions does it have, uh, preconditions. So there are a series of uh, parameters that you can find in, in the YAML for an action like for instance a precondition is you can you execute this action at all it's like a higher level condition uh there's a target condition that in the case if that condition can be applied to a particular target like for instance you should you could be able to do an attack but you don't necessarily are able to attack every target that exists in the game uh, effects what happens automatically when you run the action and a series of triggers that happen at the beginning of the action on every tick when the action finishes and when the action is aborted. So all this information, which is in JAML, in you can also access it through the game information. So you can actually ask for what are my um, effects that happen when the action is completed. And again, it's an example here, this time in Python, that shows uh, that a particular action uh, or action type has two complete effects. This one that researches something and this other that modifies uh, the score to go up by 10 points. This is uh, an incomplete effect for a research uh, action applied on a technology. Uh, Talking about technologies, these technologies are part of the research that you can uh, um, investigate to unlock abilities or new new units, uh, new type of buildings and so on. Uh, Very common in strategy games. Uh, These are organized in trees, could be one tree or more than one tree. And what you can see here on on the left is an example where you have a few technologies being uh, printed, with uh, the information. Like for instance, you can have that the cost for implement for um, research in mining. Mining is gonna be uh, 10 units of the uh, parameter production. Uh, for instance, another thing over here would be to, uh, this one that allows you to construct a pottery, which is a particular type. Uh, so pottery allows you to construct a storage, which is a particular type of building that allows you to do several things. And you can get all this information from here. Regarding dynamic information. What you can have as well is to uh, get information of the state at the moment, right? You can just get uh, entities that exist in the game and get information out of them. Like for instance, their parameters. So a particular entity could be in the game with this health, this storage capacity, and this range. You can also query all these entities. You can query player parameters. Like for instance, you can get uh, parameters that are particular for the player. Like for instance, one player could have a parameter called gold that allows you to get maybe to buy uh, units or to buy uh, the production of uh, several buildings. And you can actually uh, check as well by just getting the parameters, which are the value of those, uh, those actual parameters, the values and the parameters. Um, also dynamic information is technologies as well. You can get, uh, obviously, which you have already researched, which ones are available for research and which ones uh, are not being researched, nor they are available. And you can get all this information dynamically as well. Uh, I was talking about actions and targets uh, and as we saw before action gives you actions back. Uh, this returns a list of available actions and for these actions you can get for instance uh, its type and then get information of who is the idea of the player who is the target of the action, which is the entity that is going to receive the action. So you have a lot of information about what's going on uh, in the game itself. Uh, parameters as well uh, something regarding how to write the agents but we're leaving now the getting the state information getting parameters from uh, providing parameters for the for the agent is also possible and the idea could be here that you can say for instance for the rolling horizon agent that you can provide parameters of how rolling horizon evolution is going to run this particular agent uh, with a mutation race and tournament size analytics in set to true and the only thing that you have to do for this is to incorporate this function that reads these uh, parameters, there are more here than in the example. And then that takes the value that is supplied in the YAML. That way you don't have to recompile the whole framework every time you want to, th- to do different uh, different experiments. There are examples in the code of how to do this as well. Uh, and then I mentioned before that an agent needs to implement this compute action uh, function. You can actually implement another one which is optional, which is init and allows you to, uh, to initialize the agent. And this is called only at the beginning of the game and then what you, you can do here is just to initialize things that you are not necessarily passing in the Jumbo file or that require a more complex initialization than just simply a number or a value. Um, the last thing is the budgets. Uh, so one thing that we want to uh, specialize as well is, is that you have the agents that have an, a budget to return an action. Uh, and for instance, what you can do is you have define a, a for your game, uh, say like for initialization, you have maybe one second. And after five seconds, the agent gets disqualified. And for every tick or turn, you might have a number of milliseconds that you define here in the YAML file as well. And then you might have a a time by which, if you return your action after this timer, uh, then the agent is disqualified. You might also have warnings that tells you that after five, in this case, time that you have been over this budget, then the agent is also disqualified uh this timer inside the code you can also check that you can also check how long you have left Uh, and that's why the third parameter that is called to compute action is timer and then you can get information about the last number of uh, milliseconds that have gone since the beginning the remaining time until you have to return the next action you can query if you have exceeded already a time or uh, you can get a sense of uh, the percentage of how much time has been already gone uh, finally, this is my last slide, Essentially, this is the set of agents that we have in Statega, and what you can see here is that there's a set of agents, there are quite a few of them, some of them are very simple, but essentially demonstration agents, uh, we have a rule-based agent that is basically concerned of how does their game state look like, what do I execute in here, and then uh, we have a set of three-based agents, BFS, DFS, Beam search, and MCTS, um, and then an evolution agent, which is Rain Horizon Evolution. We're also providing a portfolio agents, So both MCTS and Rain Horizon can be configured to use portfolios. And in fact, there are several scripts also in the framework that allow you to select how to attack the closest unit, how to do the movement, how to uh, use certain abilities. Okay. If you look at the GitHub, the game, the agents are there. You can have, you can find the C++ agents in uh, slash agent And uh, Python, you can find them in Python. Uh, bindings Python agents. Okay, so we are now going to move to the execution of the framework itself. So for that, I'm going to just stop talking and I'm going to leave Jorge to take
2: control. Okay, I hope that you can see me. You can see the the slides. We can. Yeah, okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, then... uh, um... Let's start. Okay, um, I'm Jorge, and I will talk about the execution of the Stratega. Uh, first of all, uh, let's remember the two running modes that the Stratega offers: the UI that renders the game state and allow the user to analyze or play the game, and the Arena that runs in headless modes, uh, simulating a round robin tournament to test the performance between agents. Now. How to run the different modes? First, you need to build the project. This will generate everything Stratega needs to be used in your computer, and all those files can be found in the output folder. Here, you can see the project folder inside Arena and UI. You can find the main CPP uh, of each mode or of each mode, and in the main CPP of the UI, uh, you can change the path of the configuration and the resolution of the window. You can also change all the options in the arena. Um, But it was designed to be used uh, via command console. Uh, Here you can see an example writing a command with some arguments as the path where the log will be generated or the path uh, to the YAML that contains a set of maps. There are also more arguments, like the seed, the player count, uh, the game's number. Um, Yeah, these ones are some optionals. They have a default value. And um, once you execute this command, the arena, will generate uh, and execute all the combinations um, of games uh, producing a log file in the defined path. This is an example of the log file that will, will be generated. And Estratega includes a set of games. Some of them, like the basic RTS and Celters, are implemented in RTS and TBS mode. The others are only implemented in TBS. But some of these games include technology trees to uh, enable research and introduce more, complexity, more complex decisions to the game. Let's, te- let's check two examples. Um, Seltars is a RTS game that focuses on resource management and research in which the main goal is to don't starve. To win, you need um, to build a wonder or sabotage the enemy food production because each entity consumes food in each tick. Uh, Protect the Base is a simple TBS game in which you have to mine gold and deposit it with this gold, you can spawn fighters. and um, Yeah, with these fighters, you can defend your base or attack the enemy. Here also, you can see the difference between RTS and TBS, how the UI interactions is different. And next is the game configurations. Um, all these game configurations can be found in the game config folder. And um, now let's see how we see. It is to change the default agents of a YAML file. Each configuration is divided in different parts. Let's focus in the agent definitions. Here we can define all the agents that will play in the game. And as my college, um, Diego mentioned, there are some agents that are implemented in Estratega. These simple agents, do nothing, random agent, Monte Carlo research, rolling rise agent, yeah. In this example, we are going to change, exchange the um, one step look ahead agent for the Monte Carlo search agent. And as you can see, this agent also accepts a set of parameters that can be defined in the same agent definition, like the form of the calls, the budget time, or the rollout length. Now let's talk about the Python interface. The Python bindings can be built locally, enabling the default action in in the semi list, and this comes uh, disabled by default. And this will generate the Python model in the bindle folders, folder, bindings um, folder. We're also working to add the stratega to PyP. Probably, um, probably if you try now, maybe it doesn't work. It's not where it's work in progress, but yeah, in the following weeks, <laughs> it will work without problems. Um, let's talk about the running stratega using Python bindings. Once you build the bindings and import the model, you can run the UI like the main CPP does it. Loading the configuration, creating the game runner, uh, loading the agents uh, that are defined in the game configuration and calling the play methods, the play method. Um, the same applies to the arena. You can load the configuration, set the lower path oops, to the logger. And yeah, run the, the arena with a set of maps or without, or without the set of maps. Um, finally, um, the agents, you can call your own agents in Python. In this example, we will use the uh, random Python agent as a sample. Um, Estratega allowed to use Python and C++ agents in the same game you can create a list of agents and write the name of the c++ agent that is implemented in Stratega, or pass the python agents that you just called uh, this works with ui and the arena and that was my part i will let Diego take the control to talk about the conclusion and the um, future work thank you
1: yeah. uh let
2: me see if yeah there well, I don't know if it's don't I it. think I can steal it. Yeah, yeah I think okay. I stole it already.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, okay, uh, so just to conclude and uh, give uh, hopefully a few minutes for questions. So what we've uh, seen today essentially is, is we, we are building this framework, which is uh, suitable for research, hopefully, in AI gameplay agents. Um, and we are looking for doing something in a more general uh, in a more general way than uh, most RTS or uh, study uh, games research is being done at the moment, um, and then trying to move into more more complex environments, um, and, and we are essentially looking for search-based agents. That's 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 our our main main goal at the moment, right? Uh, agents that have a forward model uh, that you can copy states and you can move them forward, right? Um, and even if we are doing this essentially for the sake of AI gameplay agents, uh, we believe that there's still quite a lot of um, uh, scope for doing research as well in in PCG uh, game design and game balance. Um, Because when you have a framework where you can define games uh, so easily in in text, in in YAML in this case, uh, then uh, modifying that YAML means modifying games, which essentially allows you to do research in this this particular area. we have already a few papers already published this, um, uh, using this framework. So we invite you to, to take a look at them. Uh, the links there look, move to the PDF. Uh, the first one basically was the presentation of the framework last year in eight. Um, the second one was a paper earlier this, uh, uh, this year, uh, which essentially was looking at how to do portfolio search, uh, how to do action abstraction for uh, general study gameplay in Sotega. Uh, and then earlier today, Uh, there was a presentation by by Alex as well who was talking about how to do game state but also uh sorry so action abstraction but also game set abstraction for mcts in in these sort of games so you're invited to take a look at those uh as we've said before you want to give it a go you can check out our, our repository who's there our documentation and of course you can join our discord uh and we can have we can take questions now, but we can also take questions in the Discord channel. Uh, there's not much of the conference left, but uh, we can use the time we have left. Um, I also want to mention a bit of uh, future work. Uh, we want to work on different ways. Uh, I mean, the, there's still a lot of things to, to be done in Sotega. Uh, one of them is having different observation modes, uh, playing with the way that the agent observes the game, not only by symbolic information, but could be also pixel, could be also uh, just the, the graphical information from the, uh, from the game. Uh, we want to work a little bit more on, on Jamel. Uh, the games uh, we, we have already games we have multiple units, multiple buildings, uh, multiple resource trees, uh, different type of actions, uh, and Jamel starts to be very, very verbose. So one thing that we want to work on is to do some, some sort of refactoring to minimize the impact, the number of lines that a complex game is going to have, because we want to make them more and more complex as we keep going. Uh, we're also working on a, on a new and updated uh, graphical user interface, uh, actually uh, Dominic is doing some uh, great work on that, so I'm looking forward to see um, how that goes. Um, we will also be working on having some support from uh, OpenAI Gym. Uh, we know there are many model-free RL lovers around, so uh, this could also be something that could be uh, interesting for them. Uh, but one of the main things that went to work, work as well is, is having this wider space, uh, tackling the wider space of strategy games. Uh, we're, we're just touching a little bit of what can be done. Uh, think of any complex game, like you played Total War, or you played Civilization or XCOM, what things are in those games that are not in the strategy games that we normally have in research nowadays. Uh, policies for your uh, for your cities, uh, stand, different stances that your units can have, like they're in a defensive mode or an offensive mode. Uh, that modify the values, populations of the cities, Uh, managing the cities, having buildings in the cities, having things like the, could be the, you have things like religion, or you have things like productivity, or the science they produce, or the culture they produce, Uh, effects like boosts that the units have, maybe because they are within their boundaries, or maybe you can have a policy that makes that uh, enemy units in your boundaries have a negative boost or a, a debuff, essentially. Uh, units can have uh, objects can have inventories that there's a whole world about diplomacy like you can have alliances with other unit uh, or other factions or you could have trade or you could have uh, having been in a state of war uh, or have peace or different uh, treaties and so on so there's a lot of things to be done and those are sort of in the in the roadmap of what we're going to be doing in the future. A level later, I wanted to mention this. It's one of uh, uh, it's a work by one of uh, my master students. She's uh, essentially working on having a level later, so you don't have to work directly on Jamel. And essentially, this is already implemented with Map elites in, so you can generate many maps and decide in which direction you want to guide evolution to have different levels. Uh, in a way, if you're aware of uh, Antonio Slapi's. Uh, sent in the sketchbook or, or the, word, the word by the uh, the team, Jose Fontan uh, et al. on the dungeon uh, work as well. That's, that's essentially the same kind of thing. And we're using this as a tool that we want to cooperate in the StoTech as well soon. And a competition. Uh, originally we had this competition ready for COG 2021, uh, but uh, we didn't get there. Uh, even the framework was ready to be used by, by people. Um, we basically got it ready uh, more or less in June. Uh, so it was, it was too late to try to, to push to a competition. We would have tried, but uh, we felt it was too late. So we wanted to do a first competition that was a little bit more safe. So what we're likely gonna do is uh, after a few weeks, uh, maybe a month of work, we're to open uh, some entry to have an online uh, league where people can just submit entries and we can put them to compete against each other. Uh, and then have uh, in a website, uh, basically the, the list of the highest ranked. It wouldn't be a competition with a particular deadline. Maybe we have a soft deadline by the end of the year, or maybe by uh, maybe January or end of the, uh, the term, which could be maybe end of January. So we can have uh, some people trying the framework, giving us uh, a few uh, questions and headaches because there are bugs and things crash and these kind of things that happen when you uh, show your framework to the public. Uh, but we like to, to go ahead with this uh, in a very informal way at the beginning. And potentially we like to actually run a proper competition by next year. COG, which would be quite fun to have. Uh, that is basically all, uh, again, in case you haven't seen it, you have all the, these different ways of contacting us, getting the framework, reading documentation. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for talking to, uh, to us. Uh, I've seen already a few questions in the chat, so that, that's been great. If you have any other more questions, feel free to do so now. Uh, we have a few minutes and also we have Discord. So, if you want to uh, let us know about it? Uh, please go ahead. Thank you.